my name is Vengai and my mother I don't know why she gave me uh, Vengai in Shona in English it means hate me but I don't care that's my name in English hate me but I don't care so I don't know why she gave me that maybe during the pregnancy there was something happening we used to be called Mupunga it was a Shona name so now because the wise settlers didn't know how to pronounce uh, Mupunga they asked uh, my father what do you call Mupunga in English then he said rice then he said okay from today onwards we're going to call you rice when they give him his pass from Mozambique to Zimbabwe so from that day that was 1958 up to now we are using rice as our surname so everybody calls me rice I can say Vengai Rice is a person who doesn't give up and a survivor. The greatest challenge that I've ever come was when I was traveling from Zimbabwe to South Africa and it was uh, 2007. The previous year I'd lost my father who was the breadwinner. Then I became the breadwinner for the family I had to look after eight family members. So as you can see when you're given a family to to look after at a younger age I was 28 that time when my father passed away so anyone everybody at home wasn't working I was the only person who was working and I lost also my job lost my father then I had to decide I'm now a parent I must look after my mother, my wife, my kids, my sisters, all of them and some are still going to school that time. I don't have a passport. And it was very difficult to get one that time because of politics in Zimbabwe. So I decided to travel from Harare to Beit Bridge border post and cross the Limpopo River on foot. Through the bushes where there are animals lions and so forth but we survived some perished on the way but we keep on moving because we've got a, 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 a mission that we want to achieve and accomplish in life so that was the most difficult time for me the journey took us about a week when you don't have a, a document to use to cross legally you are now crossing illegal those people who are doing that they are called amagusha gusha uh, there is also problem with human trafficking so it's you are part of the system of being one of the human people being tra- uh, trafficked to a, a certain land and you don't even know if you're going to arrive alive or you're not going to make it then there's also people who are coming here who could not make it because they maybe died on the way and the difficult part is you have to leave them behind because you you are not you don't want to be part of of uh living to be with them and stay with them in the bush the journey must continue and what happens to those people you always feel guilty as a human being i was supposed to help them i was supposed to do this but you also have your own challenge that if uh i stay behind something can happen and those guys who are leading you they are saying there's no way to stop we keep on going because they will tell you from the onset 
that guys this is the the route we are traveling using if anything happens on the way we don't stop we keep on going so those are some of the challenges that face illegal immigrants when they come to south africa some of us we did not bring anything here because you can't carry bags some of us we just came as we are if you have got little money in with you that's the only thing that you can save once you're crossing you can maybe put your money in the plastic chew it in your mouth until you cross to the next room, to the next side then when you get dry you put your money in your pocket if you are brave enough you just cross the, the river if you are not then you are left behind there 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 is a human chain that we make we hold each other's hands whilst you are crossing the leader those guys who know how to cross they know the 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 roads they they are the ones who lead and the other ones go at the back and the other one in the middle so we hold each other's hands whilst we are crossing so when we get to south african side they you walk about 30 km there is a taxi waiting for you to ferry you to johannesburg when you reach to johannesburg it's not yet over they are police you might be arrested and deported if you are lucky you can hide or proceed to every destination you want so i decided to come to cape town i didn't know anybody here in cape town i had its peace and quiet there are no arrests of foreigners so when i came here i just arrived here at uh, cape town station i didn't know anybody i used to stay over this mountain here for 3 months begging for food waking up early in the morning going to build it looking for work you know that is the period i want to explain because there is a lot of challenges that i face one i'm not taking a bath i'm not even combing my hair I'm not looking nice my clothes that i'm wearing are dirty so if i approach somebody who doesn't know my story they perceive me as a mad person or maybe a drug addict So I faced those lot of challenges whereby I want to explain my story to somebody and say look this is me I'm not mad but it's only that I'm facing this challenge I don't I'm not working this is my journey from my country to South Africa I just want to have a work so I can maybe provide for myself and for the family to look after at home people used to avoid me until one day I met this uh, old chap old man from Grassy Park is my godfather and we are one family now i call him my father now he took me from the street he was doing some home maintenance jobs around cbd then he taught me how to paint how to hang doors how to do some brickworks then Uh, he took me from the street and find me a shack to stay in Samora Michelle in near Michas Plain. I was happy. I almost shed tears because to me I had now a roof over my head. I can have a place to sleep. I can have a place to bath. I can have a place where I can say I've got a home now. I used to walk from Samora Michelle to Grassy Park every day. Then whilst he was I was working for him. I was saving money. Some I sent home. Then I went to the Nottling Techno Technical College in Bela to get a certificate and to get a trade tested. Then I passed. 
then from there he he decided to re- to retire then i said okay what must i do now let me start my own company it's called rice soil maintenance it's on facebook i'm not yet on twitter i'm trying to be on twitter soon it wasn't easy to get clients as a black person as a foreigner uh there's a lot of trust that you you need to show to the people before they employ you or give you a, a job there was a certain place where i worked in 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 clermont that lady she's now the person who helped me a lot to register my company her name is jennifer yum there was a time where it's quiet i don't have any work then i said to look for gardening job then she employed me as a garden working once a week cleaning her garden when i was working there she used to give me food for breakfast and lunch you know she used to put the food in the garage close all the doors then call me through the window rice i left your food in the garage but to me i didn't i didn't have the time to blame her i said to myself maybe the person who once worked here did something wrong that this lady is afraid of she was 22 years old one day she might have a chance to speak to me and explain to me but the best thing that i must do now is to prove her that i'm reliable honesty and she, there's nothing to fear i'm here only to work i worked for her for 8 months same situation until one day she called me and said look rice come here sit inside then i sit down with her for the past 8 months she never asked me about my story i just gave her a cv then she employed me then she asked me then i told her look this is my vision this is where i came from i want to start my own business but the problem is i don't have enough money then she said okay look uh why i was doing this there was a guy that i employed here before you he was a south african he was taking drugs the other day he came here drunk he wanted to beat me up and rape me then i said i'm sorry i understand where you coming from it's all about trust trust is end it's not given in a silver platter so if i've end my trust with you there's nothing to fear then she said okay you can come inside that's when she said okay look i can i hope you to buy a baggy she's the one who helped me to buy my first baggy and to help me to register my company then i had to pay her bit by bit she bought the baggy put it in my name then she said by all small jobs that you get you can give me bit by bit until you finish paying and i did that and we are in good books she's now she was married uh last year but one and last week she had a first daughter so she called me at her house to go and see her daughter when i was in zimbabwe i was working for a subsidiary of the reserve bank of zimbabwe it was called orex holding we were specializing in handmade jewelry so i was a jeweler in zimbabwe so when we lost our job the government was involved you know they took over the company from the owner 
without a idea of how to market the products. We were all retrenched. We were about 3,000 workers working for that company. That's when I decided to come here. You know, we as foreigners, we had a, a lot of challenges with uh, xenophobic attacks, and I was one of the victims. I lost a lot of stuff in 2008. Uh, they stole my goods. They break my, my shack, which I was staying in that time. And my boss has to take me and live at his place. But I never give up. I said to myself, look, I'm black. I should go back to the, to, to the community. We sit down and talk and find out what's the problem. Why are we fighting? Because when we come here to South Africa, I didn't see anybody's job. I'm using my own intelligence that God gave me. As we speak like now, I've created employment for eight guys and two guys that work for me are South Africans, which have given work. So when we, we had that xenophobic attacks, there was a community forum where they wanted to hear both sides, the foreigners, what we have to say, and the locals, what they had to say. So they raise a lot of issues. One, you are taking away our women. Two, you are stealing our jobs. But love doesn't have boundary. That is what we I said to them. And we are in a free world. Anybody can fall in love with anybody. Okay, what do you say if I fall in love with a white lady? Are you going to attack me because I'm falling in love with a white lady? Or a colored way Indian? Why is it it's an issue if I fall in love with a Kosa or a Zulu? But if I fall in love with the white, you don't care. You don't mind. And the whites don't fight me. Don't you see we are lacking understanding of the meaning of love? Two, uh, we are not stealing anybody's job. A job doesn't come at your doorstep. You have to wake up early in the morning and go and look for work. Then you can get a job. When you get a job, you must be disciplined, honest, and reliable, which the locals don't have. You employ them by Friday, they get money. They start drinking. Monday, you don't see them at work. You see them on Tuesday. Friday, it's the same story. When you get to the job, do you work according to what the boss expects you to do? So at the end of the day, the boss will end up firing you. So... Those things that you say we're stealing your job, we are not stealing anybody's job. But everybody wants to work. But if you want a decent job, you have to go to school. And I to explain to them that, guys, you are very lucky in your country because the nearest, nearest school is more than 200 meters. In our country, it's 10Ks to and fro to the nearest school. We used to walk because what we need, we wanted education to have a better life. All my time I was spending on learning to upgrade my life, to do something better for my life and for my family. Some of them, they've got this dependent syndrome. The government will do everything for me. But for us, we never had that in our country. That's why you see we are different. We don't get grants in our country. Even the elderly, in, we, they don't get grants. It's, it's for the family to look after their elderly. That is our policy in other nations that we live, especially in Zimbabwe, where I come from. We grew up with a different mentality whereby I have to work 
to get something to support my family. But here they do have a, a dependent syndrome. The government will give me so much to get a life. If I get a child, somebody pregnant, the government will pay. But it's not the government who, who gave that, that woman a pregnant. It's you. You must be responsible. So the problem that I told them that, guys, is the moment you start to take responsibility of your actions and your attitude, then you can change to be like us. Ask yourself, what am I doing? Is it the right thing for me or should I depend on somebody? What if that person is not there tomorrow? How my life will be? Those are some of the things you should ask yourself. Do you want to be uh, spoon-fed every day? Or you want to spoon-feed yourself? Because the person that uh, spoon-feed you, if he's not there or she's not there tomorrow, that means you, you go hungry for the whole day. You are waiting. Then what about the next day? Then you end up having the mentality of stealing to get quick quick money. So let's move away from dependent syndrome and be proactive. Ask yourself questions as a parent. What legacy do I want to leave for my children? Do I want to leave them the legacy of begging every day or waiting for the government? Let's change our mindset, the way we think, think outside the box. We know your government can afford to do this for you. But what can you afford to do for yourself and for your family without the assistance of the government? You know, it's not easy to, and it's not like we want to leave our family back home. But because of the situation that you face on the ground, then you, you, you are left with so many questions than answers. Then at the end of the day, you decide, okay, this is the only option I've got. If I don't go, if somebody gets sick here, and if that somebody dies here in my family, the blame will be on me because I'm the only person left now as the father figure in the family. So you are carrying a big burden at a younger age. So you make a, a hard decision. You sit down with your family. You explain to them this is what I've decided to do. I have to cross on the dangerous path. During that period also, I lost my wife that I was married to for the past eight years. There was no communication. She decided to move on, cheated on me, started her own family in Zimbabwe. So it affected me a lot. You don't have a wife now. You only have got your kids. She left my kids at my mom. We had three kids together, two boys, twins, and a girl. She just left and said, I want to start my own life. I can't wait for your son. I don't know when he's going to come back. So you, you, you feel betrayed with the person that you loved and the person that you wake up and made a decision for her that I'm now doing this for my family. I'm not doing this for myself, but for my family. Yeah, included, and the kids. But that same person decided to move without even telling you face to face. You just hear after, I heard it after six months because I had to manage to, when I stayed in the street for three months, I couldn't afford to buy a phone because I need to do a lot of things. 
after six months that's when i bought a phone a small phone that motorola that was my first phone then you call back home they tell you look your wife left she's now doing this and this and this then you start to to think again was she doing this whilst i was with her you know it 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 goes back then you start to think about okay we have got three kids now are all these kids mine or not you see shall i take dna to test my kids will it, will it be fair for my kids or should i just say let the lying dogs lay like that and keep quiet and move on and embrace my kids as they are and love them unconditionally those are some of the decisions that you have to supposed to take you are also having your own challenges here so i decided to say okay look this kids belongs to me i'm not going to go to do any dna test i will love them as they are she left my kids with my mom my mom will always take care of her grandkids because she did take good care of me so there's no way she will mistreat my kids what am i supposed to do is only to support send money to my family to look after them the boys are doing my tricks this year and the girl is grade 5 if god allows me to come here pass through all these challenges to be where i am today it means there is a reason for him to 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 allow me to be here. Yes, the tunnel was dark. But there might be a light at the end of this tunnel. Wenger Rice is a very quiet person. Down to earth, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. Sometimes you tempered. Somebody who likes to do things try to do the things the right way always avoid uh things that will put him in danger never been arrested is always passionate about meeting new friends traveling and learn more from others is a person who wants to learn more each and every time when he meets somebody and he's talkative 